Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. It's always, like I say, the best edition of the podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we actually have a theme for this podcast this morning. It is rents. There's a lot going on, a lot of data on what is happening with the rental markets. So that is where we are going to be starting here on this Friday podcast. And we are going to start with this interesting article from the Washington Post by Rachel Siegel and Jonathan O'Connell, who is talking or they're writing about the eviction crisis or the lack thereof. In fact, it's the great eviction crisis that never was. So start at the beginning, as we always do. Why did they think, experts that is, there was going to be an eviction crisis? Well, the Supreme Court decided to strike down a federal ban on evictions that we have talked about many times. It was the right decision, something that needed to be done. But they assumed that after that happened, there was going to be massive evictions. Why? Well, the Aspen Institute estimated I think this is back in July, that renters behind on their payments could be as high as 15 million. And I think I saw another report from the Census Bureau that said that people who were concerned about imminent evictions was around 3 million. So they were thinking 3 million, 4 million people might be booted out of their homes. So what actually did happen? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. In fact, in major metropolitan areas, the number of evictions fell or remain flat. There were no increases since the Supreme Court ruling at the end of August. So then, of course, the question is, well, why why wasn't there a crisis? And there were many different reasons that were given. For example, one reason offered by tenant advocates and legal experts is that many people who fall behind on payments choose to self-evict. So they, they get themselves in the eviction process. Their landlord says, hey, you're this far behind. We're going to start evicting you. And they just bounce. They're like, we're just going to get out of here. We're not even going to wait. We're not going to challenge this. We're just going to leave. Now, the other argument is that local laws offer protections from imminent evictions. For example, the Post points out 47% of renters live in places that still have some type of protection or policy in place. And we all know that the court systems were locked down for coronavirus and some still haven't caught back up. And so could courts be bogged down, not to mention the process of evicting people in some bigger cities could just take a lot longer. So there's really been absolutely zero impact since that Supreme Court ruling. But I'm, I'm going to make a theory here. That's my hot take, my theory, whatever you want to call it. And it didn't seem to get any play. I didn't see this mentioned in the Washington Post article. I haven't seen anyone else mention it. Everyone predicting there was going to be this big eviction crisis. And I, I never thought that was going to be the case. And one of the reasons why is because just maybe, just maybe, landlords aren't the heartless bastards that Hollywood <laughs> makes them out to be. I mean, whenever you hear about landlords, they're always perceived to be that the worst landlord that you've ever seen on TV. They're always portrayed one way. Same thing with uh, like CEOs of companies. They're always like old and kind of dumb. And it's like, oh, how they get to that position? Oh, privilege is how they ended up founding their company and making billions and billions of dollars. It's not because they're smart or no, no, no. They just They just got lucky. And landlords are always horrible people who hate their tenants, and maybe that's not the case. Maybe 
these landlords want to help their tenants stay in their homes and that one of the benefits of the eviction moratorium is it has actually opened up a dialogue between the landlord and the renter. Because remember, one of the ways to get that government money that, by the way, is still sitting there, like 90% of it still is untouched. One of the ways to get that money was the renter had to reach out and apply for that money. The landlord couldn't do that. The renter had to do it. And so maybe they finally started this dialogue that would get that tenant to reach out and try and get that money and figure out a way that they can stay where they are and the landlord can get the money that they needed. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, maybe that's a possibility. Maybe landlords aren't horrible people and they do want people to be able to stay in their homes. Just, just throwing it out there. I know you can't talk about that in the mainstream media. You can't bring it up. Maybe landlords aren't horrible, awful people. Maybe they're actually good people who do want to help their tenants in the eviction moratorium created a situation where the tenants knew they couldn't be evicted. So why even have a dialogue? You know, they're embarrassed. They don't want to go to the landlord and say, Hey, I can't pay. And so they just don't talk to them. Now we're actually seeing an open dialogue. Like, Hey, I want to pay your back rent. I want to figure out how to get this done. And like, well, Hey, all you got to do is apply for some of that rental money. I can help you do it. Here's how you do it. And so maybe that's happening. Just throwing it out there. Maybe landlords aren't the most horrible people that exist on the planet. Maybe just maybe I know you can't say that it's you got, no, they're all, they're evil. They were, you know, wife beaters and they're usually eating food in movies and they're talking to tenants and they're horrible. And they're like, you got to pay your rent or you're out of here. <laughs> it's like, no, they, they always hate their tenants. You can't have nice landlords. That's impossible. Now, speaking of rent, a report came out earlier this week from Zumper. They're looking at their monthly rent data and man, oh man, maybe this is a reason why landlords want to kick their tenants out because rent prices are skyrocketing. The median one bedroom rental price now sits at $1,352. That is a 10.7% jump from March of 2020. And of course, is a record high. The median two bedroom rental price now sits at $1,663. That is a whopping 13.1% above the March 2020 level and is also a record high. And in fact, one bedrooms have reached a new all-time high every month of 2021 except April and two bedrooms have hit a high every single month except for February. So why is this happening? Why are we seeing rents just absolutely skyrocket? Well, you know what the first answer, you know what the first reason is. The housing market Housing prices are skyrocketing. People are getting priced out, so they can't buy. So what do you then have to go do? That's right. You have to rent. So you're having you're more people who would have normally bought in the similar circumstances in a more normalized housing market are now forced to rent, and they're competing with everyone else that's already renting. So that's the first reason and the one that we have talked about here on the program before. And the other is something that makes a lot of sense. So a number of big cities that saw precipitous rent drops are now seeing rent prices snap back and then some. For example, New York City, which I remember we were having this discussion, is New York City dead? Remember that was the big discussion after coronavirus hit and we locked down and are people ever going to live in cities again? Or is New York City going to survive this? Well, it's yeah, it's doing fine. Everyone's moving back. So New York City's one-bedroom rent dropped 17.6% between March 2020 and 2021, but is now up 
3.5% relative to March 2020. So not only is it back to where it was, a little bit higher. And you got to assume that's happening for most major cities. The only place it might not be happening is Boston because Boston's still one of the only places where um, I've seen that rent is actually was actually still negative <laughs> year over year. So Boston may be the one exception to the big city rule. And speaking of cities, Phoenix that we know is leading housing market growth. What were they at? I think it was 32% somewhere around there year over year in the recent Case-Shiller data. Well, rents might not be 32%, but they are up there. Phoenix led the way when it comes to rental prices. A one-bedroom in Scottsdale, Arizona, the median rent rose to $1,850 in September. That is a 5% jump since August and up 23.3% relative to last year. So, yeah, good luck anyone that's trying to live in or around Phoenix, Arizona. Best of luck, uh, Arizona, man. Housing market, rental market going crazy. So, I did before we go, I do want to let you know jobless claims. We had our initial jobless claims yesterday. And once again, it's like the fourth, fifth week in a row. It's moved in the wrong direction. Uh, Initial claims jumped to 362,000. That is a 11,000 increase from the previous week. Now, the only good news in the whole report that I could see was continuing claims did actually move in the right direction. They fell to 2.8 million, 2,000. There we go. A decrease of 18,000, and it was a slight miss because they had projected that as economists, 2.8 million flat. So this was 2.8 million, 2,000. There we go. <laughs> it's a weird way to look at the number and try and say it. So here's the big question. What's going to be happening next Friday? Because we are going to be getting the big jobs report. See, I always thought they were the first Friday. So I thought we were going to be getting it this morning. But it's actually next week that we will be getting. I guess maybe it was too quick. You know, first Friday of the month is also the first of the month. So maybe it was too quick and they haven't had time to compile the data. Maybe that's what happened. Uh, But we'll be talking about the jobs report next month. And that's they're always a big one. They're always big because of all what it means for the economy, what the Fed's going to do with regards to their policy. And we've seen jobless claims for like four weeks now have been moving in the wrong direction And let's hope that's not the case with the monthly jobs report, because we are seeing some good things in the economy. So let's hope not. So what is happening today? Not the big monthly jobs report. So at 830, we're going to be getting inflation data. That's right. The PCE index. That data is coming out. We got income spending, all that good stuff. That's happening at 830. And then we got construction spending at 10 a.m. Always important to see what's happening with regards to home building and what that means for the housing market going forward. So we got a busy Friday. We'll talk about it on Monday. You guys enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you back here Monday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.